This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,541, recorded June 21st, 2000. For all of you people who are looking for room 324, this is it. But uh, I must tell you that the scheduled lecture on child development will not be presented so that we may present the one of total child abandonment. Tonight I'm going to try and speak to you with a certain kind of passion no matter how hard I have to fake it. Because what I'm going to talk about cannot be talked about intellectually. I've been looking forward to this night for many a sun and moon. And I have threatened to do it. And tonight, by God, I'm here to tell you that I'm thinking about doing it. (laughs) Years ago, I thought that the hardest thing to talk about would be the topic, the uselessness of talking about anything. I really was looking for nothing else. There is one thing that is more difficult. But tonight, watch it. The head of a certain monastery one morning so addressed the monks For 20 years I have given you the answers. Does everyone still have them? And all the neophytes waved their little notebooks in the air and shouted out in the joyful affirmative Then the elder said. Good. Throw them away. I'm not going to give you the questions. Get ready. It's only a few short pages, and we have less than an hour, but here it comes. I'm so excited. In the world of man, the mind is the measure of all things save one. And it is this failing that brings us here today. If man lives in a dream, it is in one Big, all-encompassing dream, not in many small ones, which is what those seeking to awaken generally believe. What is this one big delusion, and why is it so overlooked? That is the opening question. Now a fable. There was once an abacus that could make all of the calculations natural to such a device. The abacus became dissatisfied performing its normal operations and decided that it wanted, that what it wanted was a knowledge of its own inner soul. Question, do you by any chance spot a possible ridiculous little flaw in its expressed goal? Remember, it was a perfectly functioning abacus. One man whose house had very high ceilings with many skylights was infestated with flying insects. They stayed entirely high up in the skylights, pressed against the glass. Question one. What action, if any, should he take regarding the intruders? Question two. If you figure this is an allegory, what do you figure... It's offering to tell you. They stayed entirely, exclusively. The only real way the mystical traveler can ever realize the true nature of Paris is by comparing it to the enlightened city of Istanbul. Once he arrives there. Please note, both cities exist only in the mind. Why does no one take this into account? Question, what is the difference between prisoner A and prisoner B? Answer, what is the difference between Mercury and Venus? Why does no one consider this matter? If there was a mental reality behind the word indifference, to be grasped, experienced, and held, the struggle for enlightenment would be soon but a memory. One man says, it seems to me that the part of the brain we call the mind is engaged in activity that is primarily a waste of time. 
The second man asks, on what basis do you make this judgment? Are you positive that the activity you complain about does not serve some useful purpose of which you're unaware? And the first man replied, okay, then I deem it a waste of time on the basis that I don't like it. <laughs> and the second man asks, but how can you say that you don't like the mind's present activity since you have no experience of it acting otherwise by which to make a comparison? And the first man pondered this for a moment and replied, you know, you're right. You've made me realize it. I guess I do like it after all. Thanks. One day, during a lull, the universe looked at itself and said, Hey, I can't look at myself. What the hell was I thinking? One day, one man was so struck. When thoughts pass through my mind, the wind ruffles the leaves. And when the wind ruffles the leaves, I look and think, Ah, the wind ruffles the leaves. And do not realize that when I think about the wind, it does to my mind what it does to the leaves. Question. What is the wind doing in a man's head? One man considers every day dual D-Day. A day of destruction and a day of departure. He says that without these two outlooks and intentions, what's the use in even getting up in the morning? Another fable. There was once an echo canyon that did its job very well and would faithfully respond to whatever was said anywhere near it. The canyon became restless and felt that something was missing in its life. It eventually decided that what was needed for a full and satisfying life was a personal comprehension of its own vocabulary, resources, and verbal skills. Question. Did I really have to say it? The curious world in which the few reside is a place wherein a man can see a runaway horse flying by who cries out to him as it passes, Hey, I'm a runaway horse. And for some reason... The man feels better for it. Question. Why is that so with people like us? The history of it. When the mailbox is there, mail arrives and mail is read. When the mailbox is not there, no mail arrives and you're freed of a useless habit. Question. What do you understand this to indicate? Thoughts are to be used, not analyzed. Analyzing thoughts is a, is, a, is a pastime for those willing to waste their time. Question, what use do you make of thoughts? While pretending that they were somewhere between Paris and Istanbul, a boy asked his father, when will we be enlightened? And the elder replied, when a flashlight shines on itself. Question, why do those interested in, the, in this goal so loathe to clearly define it to themselves? It has been said that the search for enlightenment is the search for one's real self. But consider this. What is it that you now have with which to search for your real self except your real self? Why would you or anyone else go off on such an important search using only an unreal self? Or if I may say, how do you expect to find your real self with your unreal self? The fable to end all fables regarding the search for enlightenment, for those almost ready to see the matter for what it truly is. There was once a mirror that wanted to know what it looked like. What it looked like. What it looked like. What the hell kind of thing is that for a mirror to want? It has been said that what we seek is so close to us that it is difficult to see. But I say that the reason it is difficult to see is that it is us. Question, what do you say? There was once a train on which everybody rode that had no engineer as far as anyone could see. 
In fact, there was disagreement among the passengers as to the direction of, even the existence of, tracks. As they rode to who knew where, the passengers all acted as though they individually each knew where he was headed and indeed was directly influencing the train's journey. None of what they claimed to believe was true. But since there was no one who was not on the train, there was no way, there was no one to correct their mistaken beliefs. The following is a quote from the opening of an unknown holy book. Quote, in the beginning, life was as it was. It remained so in the middle. <clears throat> it was also like that at the end. And now today's final question. What is the one big, inescapable, obvious, and all-encompassing dream in which man lives? And oh yeah, a man who does not understand what words and thoughts are can say and think the truth and still be wrong. So now I guess I'm stuck with talking about it, except, you know, I wrote one more page and I decided not to include it. But now, <laughs> what the hell? <sighs> I know I'll regret this. For you on tape, I just being melodramatic. You know, when you have a melon head, it seems like a shame to. <laughs> but anyway, here's what I go ahead and read. Because, you know, I, I did go ahead and I wrote it down. Just so I wouldn't forget it. <laughs> here it is. This is not part of the... Here it is. Well, see, I'd written all of this already. And so I knew what I'd be faced with. And just as... It was like a lark. Or a small house sparrow. I thought... I thought, I'll just write down... As simple and as crude as I as possibly could. Of course I'm not going to use it. I wouldn't say this to anyone, but just as a joke between me and me. I went ahead and actually put it on paper. That is, I thought, out of all of this, concerning a thing that absolutely cannot be talked about and that no one should even try. Since I'm going to, if I was really, so here it is. What you should not, you are not intended to have heard. Are you ready? To live an ordinary human life, you must believe that you exercise some control over your life. To believe that you can awaken, you must believe that you exercise some control over your life. To believe... That you exercise some control over your life is to be irreversibly asleep. That took my breath away that I actually put that down. But here's what's worse. It came to me that no, I could even improve on that. To be a sane human, you must believe that you exercise some control over your life. And to believe that you exercise some control over your life, you must believe that there is some distinction between you and life. And to believe that there is some distinction between you and life is to be insane. <sighs> For those of you who were here last time, I promised that I was actually going to answer a question. I was going to go on this subject finally. And I presented a question to you last time. That I said you go ahead and consider that this was about, and that is that I'd already proposed to you that, from my view, there is only one dream. If man is actually living in a dream, if man has a distorted view of life, if man, whatever else accusatory description you can give, that man does not have a, an accurate, an objective comprehension of life, then you end up, if you pursue that, if you think about it, Without, any anal without ever analyzing it in this way, but you take it to be that there are a myriad of delusions, little small dreams, dreams that may be only native to you, maybe not people you know, 
I say skip all that. I say that you, it would be to your benefit if you could go past all that and see that there is. If there is, if we are living in some dream, I say that it's only one dream. Like laying down at night and sleeping six, eight hours straight through. We call that one dream. Now, while you're there, I assume that you can have four or five different scenes. I guess ordinary people might say different dreams. But I'm saying that there is only one big dream. There is only one delusion, if indeed we suffer from any. There is only one mistake. Only one. I still don't want to answer the question. I still don't tell you what it is. I already told you. To be ordinary, to combine those two that you, I didn't intend to read, to be ordinary, to be sane, you must believe that you exert some control, that you have some power over your life. Maybe you're used to hearing me talk about things, put words in a certain order that you wouldn't ordinarily hear and you're just accustomed to it. But you know how strange it is to even say that. Think about it for a second. Why would, if you went to listen to a lecture on anything, well, anything regarding human nature, and the speaker, no matter what his credentials were, no matter what the topic was announced to be, if he started off and said, first, let's establish this. We all, I assume that you're all sane, fairly ordinary people, Reasonably functioning people in the everyday world, you look to be. So, uh, I want to point out that people such as you believe that you exercise some control, that you can exert some influence over your life. Now, if he sped on very quickly, you might not notice it, but if he stopped there, like, that's a very important point. People would be perplexed if he paused long enough for them to really consider what he said. Maybe you people are so far from being removed from old and ordinary and routine that you don't realize it. But people would find that extremely perplexing. What was the point of saying that? There's one thing that people do not ask themselves. No sane, ordinary person. And that is, do I exercise any control over my life? Indeed, contrary, there are people who believe that they do not, who claim that they do not. But are these people considered by our contemporaries to be sane? No. Never. They always have some additional story to go with it. If, in case you're missing what I'm saying, I'm sure you'll probably get a chuckle, but I don't want you to miss it. That's why I didn't say it. But they usually have some sort of corollary story to go along. That they have lost control of their life because the government has, during the night, sent people in black overcoats to implant some kind of secret uh, chips in their head. And now from Washington, or from some secret underground camp in Montana, they're now controlling the man's life and indeed his mind. They always have some story. I always like the way when life comes up with an anomaly, it always makes an anomaly stand out like a damn, damn anomaly. I don't know whether anybody gets that. I assume you're not just laughing at me being redundant. Life won't allow people just to be anomalistic life does not produce someone who says I have decided that most of our life our everyday life particularly our financial life is being directly controlled by an unknown conspiracy of some men of great wealth that's never the end of it because from one view that's true that's been, that's been true as long as it's been history it's true right now but life won't let it stop there. There are many areas that life will not let an anomalistic idea out without the anomalistic idea wearing groucho glasses and nose. 
that is, the guys, the idea will come out that there is a conspiracy of, of, of a limited number of extremely wealthy, property-owning, it used to be, but anyway, extremely wealthy men who are, in fact, controlling almost entirely the financial life of this planet. And I know who they are. <laughs> which by then, everybody has ignored it. You know, if there is such a thing, which there is, you don't know who they are. Only they know who they are. And if you knew who they are, they'd pay you enough that you'd never say at any rate. It usually gets worse than that, of course. That then he decides that it's you know, some particular group of people to which he has, you know, he'll pick out some cultural or racial or just some crackpot ideas, so we've, ah, we've heard all that. There's one thing that people do not ask themselves, and that is, do I have any control over my life? No one, no sane, ordinary person, back to the main street, no sane, ordinary person. Listen to me. Well, tell me, tell yourself, am I right or wrong? No sane person ever asks themselves, do I exert any control over my life. <coughs> Never. In fact, if someone begins to feel otherwise, and if they were up to that point, an average sane person, and for some reason, they did begin to have such thoughts, they would generally seek help themselves. Because their own, they'll have their own immediate self-diagnoses that something is terribly wrong. Uh, my depression is getting worse, the death of my mother, the loss of my business, uh, whatever incident that they may attribute a change in their emotional life may be. Ordinary people, sane, ordinary, everyday people never, ever ask themselves that question. They never have. It's absolutely clear to me why. I don't know what it is to you. But what's even more interesting to me is that no one attempting to achieve the kind of goal inherent in this kind of activity, they never ask themselves. They speak continually about being under mechanical influences, being under gross cosmic waves that until you get you know, in touch with a super secret upper brotherhood of life or getting you know, your stars and planets. It's always something that your life in bits and pieces is under gross, mechanical, low frequency, dull, and in the past, more simplistic people would add such modifiers as evil influences. And in fact, one of the oldest Recorded activities of this sort on the planet, uh, they referred to the gold over in that area of the world now known as generally the upper subcontinent, Tibet, in that area. They referred to the gold not as enlightenment or awakening, but as the great liberation. And not liberation from captivity by a king or being held prisoner by a general, some warrior, an inner captivity. And the captivity is always that of some sort of mechanical forces. Forces, less conscious forces, less conscious powers that run through the universe. And as many of all of you, I assume, know, there has been almost an endless supply of people coming up with charts trying to show that uh, if you... I'm just making this up, just combination, but uh, they'll draw some kind of chart that there's this Godhead or the creative force behind all of creation. But, yeah, that makes sense. There anyway, right. This great power, and up there, the frequencies are very high-pitched. Uh, everything is very free because the God of the universe, you know, who's going to push him around? What power is he under? He makes the laws. But then it, it begins to descend, and you go from the great creator. You know, the, the, and then he creates uh, the universe, and it falls under at least some degree of mechanical, automatic, physical, scientific laws. 
because it's no longer a part of the great Godhead, the great creative force. He alone is free. It alone is free. And then the universe produced planets. Or they go through a lot more than that. That's become, it creates uh, solar systems. And they're even more mechanical. And it gets down to planets, and they're under even more mechanical laws. And it gets down to creatures. So their belief is they talk continually about breaking free of unwanted mechanical forces. And they don't always say mechanical, but the unwanted forces, unnecessary influences that dulls their sight, that thwarts the free reign of their consciousness. They talk about having part of their life out of their control. No one ever talks, no one ever confronts the question, do I have, as things stand now, do I have any control over my life? I can't believe that if you really took it to heart and just pursued the question I've asked already, that it would do something extraordinary finally to you. I mean, in fairly short order. And that is, I hadn't really gotten to it yet. But why does no one ask the question? Just for the sake of us morons who are not present tonight. Do you want me to go ahead and give you the moronic answer? The moronic response? If I demanded of humanity or of all the people on the planet right this second who claim that they're trying to achieve another state of awareness of life or themselves, and I said, listen, I know something of great importance. I know what you're looking for, and uh, I'll be glad to talk to you, but first I want you to consider this question. Why is it that no one, none of you people ever ask yourself if you exert any control at all over your life? Why does no one ask themselves that? Someone's going to have to respond to that before I'll talk to you people. Some moron would respond to it. Well, the truth is, six million, billion morons would respond to it. What would be their response? It'll make you feel like a moron too and you can't figure out what it is. That's the easy one. What would be the response? When I said, why does no one ask themselves just directly? Anybody. Any sane, intelligent Man with a free-roaming mind, wide-ranging intellect. Why does no one ever ask themselves, do I exert any influence? Do I have any control over my life? Why does no one ask themselves that? What's their answer? Because it's a useless question. Certainly we do. Six billion morons. I shouldn't have said that. That was too close to a hint, wasn't it? Scratch that. No, I, I just got carried away. I am such a... Mu- I always want to say misogynist, and I think, well, that's somebody that hates people, and yet he'll go around and rub them on the back and shoulders, and but all the time despising them. Have I got my words confused? <laughs> I, I say that it's not possible to be... Of in an ordinary state of mind, I was going to say, which I'd already written for you, that it's impossible to be ordinary and to believe, to think that you do not exert some control over your life. But let me put it to you another way instead of talking about people, other people. I say that you can't sit there, any of you, that you can't sit there right this second and be in your ordinary mind. Be in your ordinary state of rational, just in your ordinary state of mind. You cannot deal with that question. You can't ask that question. You can't, you can't do anything but refute it out of hand, dismiss it. Which is the answer to the question, as best you can come up with an answer, of me saying, why, why does no one ask the question? They can't. The mind cannot ask that question. The only mind that could ask that question would be a mind that was fully liberated, a mind that was awake, a mind that was enlightened. And as always, the trick would be, once you hit that spot, the question's irrelevant anyway. Because the question is irrelevant. But the question is right at the crux of everything. No one can ask themselves. All right. I've done everything but this. I didn't want to. I didn't plan to. You, you do know what I'm saying, don't you? You can't sit there, your mind, none of you, 
And it's not your fault individually. The mind, anybody's ordinary mind, cannot conceive of the possibility that it has no control over the life of the body in which it resides. Which is extremely technical and verbose way of putting it. You cannot sit there and be in an ordinary state of mind and simultaneously entertain the possibility that you exert no control, none, over your life. I say you're making a grievous error. If any of you are waiting for me to say, if it was me trying to swap places, if you're waiting on me to say what I suspect some of you are waiting for me to say, I'm not going to say it. Get you're waiting. I can't say it. Really, I can't say it. But I'm telling you, to believe that you can awaken, to believe that you can change at all. Well, let me repeat the full thing. To be an ordinary human being. The other six billion ordinary people on this planet believe that they exercise some control over their life. For you to believe that you can awaken, do you believe that you can accomplish this, to do anything, you have got to believe that you exercise some control over your life. But to believe that you exercise some control of your life keeps you in a state of irreversible sleep. So there you are, believing that you're trying to awaken. That's not just a tasty, self-consuming sentence I made up. You can't do it. You couldn't start, because as I said, you couldn't be ordinary. You can't be sane unless you believe that you exert some control over your life. Again, I'm going to ask. Everyone knows what I'm saying, don't you? I'm not going to say the words. I'm not going to say, all right, let's get out in the open. You, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to say that. And you shouldn't. But again, if any of you are listening, you've said it at least 30 minutes ago. You went, damn, are you saying? You said it. Consider the possibility. What would it be like if it could be proven in some way that you had no control whatsoever over your life? I don't know how. I'd have to resort to one of my old scenes that I made up years ago, if you recall. I guess it had to be that somebody appeared that we all would assume was God. That somebody would have to appear who everyone believed was in charge of all this, so that whatever he said, you had to take as being. What if he came down and said that there's been a small... You people have been operating on this planet. You've done a fine job. You've got no complaint. I'm not here to destroy everything and all that horse shit. But uh, just something came to my attention. Uh, I arranged things. Now I won't go into that because if he told us a secret, it'd wake everybody. I was about to give away. It's nothing. It's the obvious, but he wouldn't say it. He would say, uh, some of you might find this interesting. I've just had a, some spare moments and decided to pop in and finally see you people in person. Uh, anyway, here it is. Some of you might find this interesting. Some of you don't, so don't worry about it. I'll be gone a minute. And carry on. You're doing a great job. Anytime you're not, <laughs> you know, you'll know about it. But at any rate, some of you might find this interesting. Uh, there's an illusion that I'm very aware of because it was part and parcel of my creating you. There's an illusion that you uh, exercise some control over your life. So, uh, good job. See you around. And he's gone. Now, what if he said that? Or maybe that's a waste of time. What if I insisted? What if I told you that it was true? But let's, let's just play it as a game, a mind game. What if it were true? What if somebody told you it were true? That you exert, that no one exerts any control whatsoever over their life. And if it came from me, and I insisted that, that is, there's nothing more beneficial, there's not a shorter cut to anything than working on that. And I can't tell you how to work on it other than just work on it. What would you make of it? What could you do with it? 
for those of you that are really getting sharp-footed, you do realize anything you did with it would be a dream. <laughs> that is, anything that you pondered and thought about would just be you killing time. Just you, you refusing, not refusing, the mind can hardly do it. I know I've said this before, but by God, I mean it underlined. Is this not true, if you will ponder it? If that, if that was true, that you exert, that no one exerts any control over their life, would that not answer? In fact, not just a multitude of questions. Would that not answer every damn thing? So as not to pile your plate too high, I'll go ahead and answer that one. Yes. <laughs> it would answer everything. Think about it that way. You don't have to agree. But you guys, I know that all of you are agile enough mentally. If it were true, just play that kind of little mind game, little mental. If it were true that no human, no one exerts any control whatsoever over their life, if that were true, would that not answer every question that men have ever had? Would that not answer every question, every complaint that you've got? If it were true, True to such a degree that you could see it and accept it. Wouldn't that stop every complaint you have? All right, I'll answer again for you. Yes. Don't you find that interesting? And if you don't, you should slap yourself on my behalf. Now you should slap yourself twice. Once for me and then once for you. I propose to you that if you can play that kind of mind game... In a sense, you know I mean it. And you picture that if it were true, if you heard it and you accept it was true, that no one exerts any control, has any control whatsoever over their life, and then pondered further what I said. I went ahead and told you, but if you could see it yourself, not that difficult. If that were true, man would have no more complaints. Not just you, not just people attempting to awaken. As always, we'd be a special class because you'd no longer be struggling to awaken. You no longer have an interest in it. But no human on this planet would any longer have any complaint other than a survival, a physical complaint. Somebody could still say, I'm hungry or I'm cold. But the complaints that are unique to man's spirit, his soul, his mind, all that. Every complaint that you have that any man has ever had would vanish. They would stop. Men would have no more complaints. Now remember, this is just all based on the speculation, just the mind game, that if no one has any control over their life, everybody believes otherwise, but if no one has any control over their life, then I say all complaints would stop. And if you can see that, which surely, if you try it, it'll hit you. Yeah, you're right. No one would have any, you couldn't have. Now, don't you find that curious? I like to revert to 60 terminology. Mind expander. Uh, I threw in, I've been on the verge, on the peripheral realm of talking about this. That one sure sign of being asleep or the state of being asleep is that you feel that there is a distinction between you and life. That is right at the heart of what I'm talking about tonight. You can, everyone knows a scene like this. Someone you know, family member, good friend, and you finally say to them something they're doing, drinking, drugging. You say to them, do you realize uh, you're now drinking the point? Do you know what it's doing to your life? Do you realize you hadn't had a... Anyway, you point out the obvious, that alcohol, as they say, has become a problem. And the person says, yes. Now, I'm aware of the fact. I'm aware that I can't keep a job. No, I, my heart's been broken since my wife finally left me. No. So it's all that. And you say, well, listen, I've known you all my life. I know what an intelligent man you are. And he says, well, I'm very aware of what you're saying. I've thought about no matter what you tell me, I've already thought about. And so then you look at him. You look at the person like, well. And if pushed, all ordinary people eventually begin to give explanations. But if your memory will go back or you hear me, I'm describing that just between people ordinarily, the first thing that will happen before you push them is when you say, do you realize that something you're doing, drinking, 
is absolutely ruining your life. And they go, yeah, I'm very aware of it. And, you, and then you just look at them like, well, you know, why do you still do it? And if you don't push it, the very thing I'm talking about, the two things about the one big dream, the one big delusion that men will not face, cannot face, and the fact that part of that delusion, what supports the delusion, is the belief that the mind has, that everyone has. If you're sane, you have it. It's, you don't ever even think about it, that there is a difference between you and life. Does everybody understand? If, if there was not that, you would not believe that you could have any influence over your life. But anyway, back to the person. You say, so you realize that what you're doing, this continual drinking, do you realize, I mean, your life, and you're thinking about all the times you've been in jail and all the jobs you lost, and you're just going, you, you realize what? And he, he looks at you, and he knows what you're knowing or thinking, and he knows what he's thinking, and he looks at you, and nods like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And you both just look at each other before you really start pushing it, and he, and he comes up with excuses and gets out of it. But at that moment, people have an awareness of this. That is before he lets the mind start saying, well, I can't. You know the pressure I've been under. You know how I grew up. Or you knew the problems I was having with my wife before she left, and that's just worse. But right before that, I did not... As far as I'm concerned, make as clear what I wanted to as I could. How about this? Do you understand no one drinks? No one takes drugs? Well, sure you don't. You're fucking asleep. Somebody's supposed to stand and say, I'm not now. Oh, I was back to my imaginary Zen story. Well, by God, I tried my best. I didn't do any worse than I thought I'd do tonight. Nobody drinks. Nobody takes drugs. Isn't two examples enough for a man who for a man about to awaken? One example's enough. Don't have to make any more. Nobody drinks. Life drinks. All right, you want to have some fun? Maybe this will do it. As you go about your little activity tonight after you leave and get home, or on the way home, ask yourself. Like you get in the car and you turn on the key, now I start talking and it just wears me out. You just have to know how to do this. You start with this continuing inquisition in your mind of, am I actually doing this? Do I have, it's a simultaneous, you're asking, do I actually, am I exercising any control over my life? And you're saying that as you're putting the key in your car, you're going to switch on the engine. The engine in your car. It's your engine. With your key, you're going to your house that you paid for, and you're going on a highway that you know where it is. You know how to get up to it from the side street. Your taxes paid for part of it. You're already thinking about what you're going to have to eat when you get home. You're thinking about that you're going to have to swing off the, that side street and stop at the Jiffy Mart to pick up something. But all the time, is ponder the question, am I exerting any control over my life? It's the real question, though, I know never seems to strike any of you right, is who is doing this? I never expected that to have any long-range... Well, this is it. This is a blunter presentation of it. You know, your mind tells you, everybody's mind, this life's mind, at our ordinary level, tells you that the question, the possibility that you have no control, that you are exerting no influence, none, over your life, is a non-operative question. So why not think about it? Well, I don't need to. Try it. I swear to God, I know this for a fact. You can't go around and do that for any length of time. And I'm talking about 
We're far in the range of hours. Well, you faithful. Maybe less. You can't go along and continually do that and not have something extraordinary happen to you. I couldn't believe that you won't get, you'll suddenly realize what's going on. Our whole life, the consciousness of man is tacitly based upon the fact that we do exert. You have to. You have to exert influence on your life to think. The question's ridiculous to ask, do we exert any individually? Do we exert any influence at all? Do we have any control over our life? The question's ridiculous. Okay, well, in that case, it won't hurt anything to think about it. I'm telling you, that is the one dream. That is the one delusion that no one deals with. It is hilarious. It's liberating. It's awakening. I'm telling you, you could, if you never heard me or read anything else or never had an, an original mystical thought of your own, that's all a man needs. But now, you couldn't start out there. I'm insisting, all of you people out there in tape land, those of you that I know personally, know something about, I'm telling you, all of you got to be as ripe as a 10 months old or 10 months pregnant watermelon. You should be ready to pop. But ask yourself, after all of this, I just thought the time might be right, that I had the nerve, after all of this fancy shit I've made up throughout the years, to come in here tonight, in the middle of the summertime, the turn of the damn century, and come up with some kind of garbage like this, asking you to consider the fact, is it possible, or to ask yourself, do I exert any control over my life? How dare me come in here with this? That's not even a good metaphor for anything. Well, at least you're that short. That's not a metaphor for anything. I don't mean it allegorically. Did my theatrics help? Who knows? I can't believe it. Well, some of you got a nice... You look like George Jones that swallowed two possums. <laughs> look on your face. I'm saying right at that question, does man exercise any control over his life? Just right in the midst of all those words is every damn thing that you could want to know. Is the secret to everything. Is right in that question. And plus, it's not just a question that you just have to sit around and ponder in some navel-gazing manner. I'm telling you, do it as you... When I say, all right, that's it. And I pick up my papers and I start to leave and you start to get up. And try and remember. I'm just putting it crudely. You, you know you can, it operates a lot quicker and more subtly in your head. But you start to stand up. The question, did you intend to stand up? Is that you standing up? Of course, the obvious answer to that is, well, certainly. I decide it's time to go. I'm going to stand up. So at least there I exert that control of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you decide to stand up? <laughs> well, I just... Plus a real surprise one. I'll go ahead and say it because it won't spoil it if it happens to you. Is if you try this for just a few hours, it might just take minutes. And then somewhere in there toward the end of maybe your melon breaking open, is to realize something else having to do with all your efforts to change your state of mind. One final hint. I'm saying the most captive the most tied that a person can be is to believe that they're free. There is no greater manifestation of what everybody, including me, is always called being asleep, being deluded, not dealing with reality. There it is. Don't look for small little dreams. It's only one, that one. Now the question is, did I actually intend to come here and say that? To tell you all of this. Why would I? What in the hell made me do this? I'm astounded. <sighs> no, wait a minute. I am greatly pleased and satisfied that I was able to communicate this potentially extremely important information to you fine people.
I intended to come here and do otherwise. I did not intend to do this well, but I did. I don't know why. Maybe that was it. All right, this is the final one from last time. Now's the time to bring it up, maybe. I point out that even a man who knows what's going on can't tell you what's going on. Because no matter how hard he tries, he cannot be fully accurate. Because as he's telling you what's going on, part of what's going on then is him telling you what's going on. And he can't bring that in to his description. Or if he tries to, he has simply made it larger. If he says, wait a minute, I was going to tell you what's going on in life because I know. Let's assume he does know. And he says, I'm going to tell you. I've never tried to tell anybody. But now, wait a minute. Now, you understand what's going on in life now is, is me trying to tell you what's going on. And I know. So that's part of it now. So, but wait a minute. You understand now that, does anyone know that that's exactly what I've been talking about all night? That is the sort of thing that keeps a person from ever asking the question, am I exercising any control over my life? It's like this whole delusion is continually flying by you as a runaway horse. But I'm talking about, to me, I'm picturing it as a horse that we're talking about at least seven, eight hundred miles an hour. But it never stops. You're surrounded by it. For those of you that didn't get the story tonight, and I said that people like us, so it's doing it with everybody. But people like us believe that we hear the horse. Of course, we made the horse do it. That the horse, this runaway horse, shouts at us continually as it goes by. Hey, I'm a runaway horse. And for some reason, people like us feel better. Well, now I'm getting somewhere. You don't know what liberate. What if you exercise no control? How much do I have to hint? Well, how much do I have to hint, it won't do any good, to make you really try and see? Really try and just... It's the answer to everything. And no one ever asks the question. In case you wonder why no one ever knows the answer. No one wants to know the answer. No one ever asks the question. So I... You don't have to thank me. You people out of town don't have to... You know, send me gifts. And I drug it out. The clock says it's been an hour. Just in time to stop. Now, if I have any way to put it. Liar. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.